0: Hey, this is the moment. I'm Brian Koppelman. Thanks for listening. Uh, If you heard the last episode of John Mellencamp, you know that I've COVID, Uh, I feel a lot better. So don't worry about my, my voice just sounds um, a little bit like, like, I guess like the sometimes when we touch singer, Dan Hill's voice or something, who I think you lived in Germany and I, I think he was popular in Germany way longer than he was in America so yes. you probably know who he is Daniel
1: it was like it was like him and David Hasselhoff the most famous uh German
0: Americans well I and I actually worked with an American singer songwriter who was popular in Germany but maybe a couple of years what year did you I'm going to introduce you properly in a second but <laughs> what year did you move out of Germany
1: we went there right after the wall came down so 89 yeah right before the wall I'm sorry right before the wall came down.
0: that's when you left right before the wall came down Wow amazing yeah no I, this I worked with this singer in like 92 93 who was popular there named Joshua Cadison but you would have just you would have just left um he's great by the way if anyone's listening Joshua Cadison's first album worth getting hey everybody my guest today is truly somebody I am I am so glad I have gotten to know and gotten to work with over the past two years. Uh, He's a massive Broadway star. He was just Aaron Byrne, Hamilton. He's Tony nominee for Passing Strange, which a lot of people say is the best thing they've ever seen on Broadway, his performance. Uh, uh, He had lead roles in Book of Mormon, uh, Shrek. And um, he is one of the most talented people I've ever met. He is uh, an extraordinary actor, uh, a great singer. And just one of the most delightful and fascinating people to be around. David Levine and I always talk about the fact that uh, we're so grateful. Allison Estrin, our, our casting director, brought him into our lives. You know him as Scooter on Billions, and his uh, real name is Daniel Breaker. Daniel, welcome to the show.
1: Oh my gosh! Thank you for having me. Thank you for that introduction. That's a hell of an introduction. It should just be the the whole podcast should just be you introducing me.
0: Yeah, you have to only bow now and be done. There's no, right? That's it. I'm sure every code tells you that at the end. Man, here's what I want to ask you about um, to start, and then we'll go into your biography. I want to talk about how you become, you know, who you became, and uh, your story's fascinating to me. But I remember your audition, and this is back when we were still going into the room to watch people. And so I was present, you know. Um, and you were very well known in the theater, but David and I spent the last bunch of years making film and television and didn't really know who you were. And yet you you came in, you were, at the time you were playing Aaron Burr in Hamilton. You were working a crazy amount of hours. You were coming in to play a role that you knew was likely to become a series regular, that that was really possible if it went well, and, there was nothing but confidence, clarity, openness in what you gave us that day, and, and you know, uh, Allison said, "There's someone coming in." I'm I'm pretty sure it's he's your guy. We trust her a lot, but we knew we had that this character had. It was sort of a high high burden of of proof because of the kind of verbal acuity required, and sense of humor required, and humanity, and coldness, and. I remember giving you a slight adjustment. I remember you did a take, and I remember saying something to you about his getting a kick out of all of this. And you went, ah, okay, I got, and you just t- took one second and turned on a dime and you were a scooter. And it was like so clear to everyone in the room, I'm sure to you too, seeing us like that's that. So how does an actor, how does a human being, prepare for a pressure situation like that, prepare to be so present in the room that he can take in information without feeling criticized and understand that it's opportunity. Like, take me through your hour of getting ready to go there the night before preparing, because it's, you know, it's so distinctive to me because you came in and did it. And David and I were like, well, we can make the show because we have this guy and we know what the next two years can be, you know, because we needed someone to match with Prince in that way. But what was it like from your perspective? Well, I mean,
1: I think you know there are all the sort of things you can do to sort of get, get your mind around taking on a, a character or, or on a, on a, uh, going into an audition. A lot of it's just familiarity with the role for one helps. Um, research and understanding the tone of of what the show is, whether you get the script or just the knowing the show has had its uh, had its footing for for so long. But I think also, I think it, it it also benefits from if it's just a good fit or not. I mean, I really I feel like it really comes down to like, you know, it 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 felt good and fun to play Scooter, it feels good and fun to play him. He's, you know, he's spotless, <laughs> you know, he's 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 clean and slick and has a bit of a Cheshire Cat smile, and uh, and that's just a fun thing to play, you know, um especially coming off of uh Sort of the theater world, which is always much broader, much larger, because you're performing it—you know, performing to 1,300 people. Um, so it's fun to just adjust. It's it's fun to ride that adjustment. I think that's that's what I enjoy about playing different characters. Is what I enjoy about my career so far is that I've had the benefit to, you know, to to bounce around and, to, and put on different hats. Um, but also you guys were great in there. I mean, it felt, it, you know, I, it, it felt good in there. You know, it's, you know, Kunkin was the only person I knew connected to your team was with Stephen Kunkin and he, and, you know, of course I was grilling him. I'm like, all right, who are these people? What are they like? What's the deal? And, um, you know, he had nothing but praise and, you know, and so. Well, that's was, a stacked deck
0: for me. Cause I mean, I've known Kunkin since he was 10, you know what I mean? He's not gonna, you know, but yes. Uh, but, but Okay, so that made you know you were walking into a room that, right, and Kunkin had mentioned how great you were. But but how did you prepare? How did you, because you, you really came in and even though, like I remember giving the note and I remember you making this transition. Did you rehearse at home till you felt like, okay, I'm wearing this suit? Or did you just kind of read it and then come in and let it go? Like what's What was your approach?
1: I mean, first off, as someone who uh, has dyslexia, it, it's, I have to learn the lines as much as possible. And that actually just gets me out of the way. I'm Trying to find a balance of that though, of learning lines, being very familiar with the lines, but not being locked in and being, being available to take a note is the sort of razor's edge <laughs> of, of familiarity and spontaneity. Um, so at the base, it's just like familiar, so familiarize yourself with those lines as much as possible. Um, but I also think I approach things from a bit of, of character in terms of physicality, in terms of shoes or suit or yes, how, how, yes. how, how this person would, would dress themselves and how they would carry themselves. Um, I love wearing suits, so that helps. <laughs> yeah, you came in in a great suit. You did. Thank you, Thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> that's also a funny thing is not to not dress up too much for a, for a part yeah you know? well often that
0: well this is the thing that backfires all the time yeah, yeah. It, uh it's so rare that it just all adds up it, it just if you try to bring the prop it's a weirdest thing right if you try to bring the prop it's a disaster unless you're the guy or woman and for that and you just bring the right it's like it yeah, yeah. really doesn't work don't do it Unless you should do it. It's so like, hard.
1: How many, how many bad auditions happened for Boardwalk Empire where people were rolling in in like three piece two, two.
0: <laughs> Yes. The steam. And, and then, I mean, the other thing that happened that day is, uh, and over, over just even the first two weeks we got to know one another once you were there, is we realized we could take pieces of you and. I think for you, you've been on other series, but I imagine this is the first time that you've seen yourself reflected back at you a bunch of times. Yeah. You guys are good at that. <laughs> yeah. What does that feel like? Is it weird or is it good or gratifying or not? So far so
1: good. I mean, I don't know if like all of a sudden my business is like shown out in like the following <laughs> the following episodes or seasons, I'll have a different opinion. I'll be like, hey guys, can we talk? Um, no, but it's, it's it's actually, it's fun because it's the, uh, you, you get to- play in the things that are familiar and the things you know and then bounce off of that and i think there's just there's some fun that comes with that um, I mean, if you look at yeah, like
0: you mentioned you mentioned, I'm not gonna give it away because it's so funny, no, but you know, you mentioned a certain thing to Levine once, I think and me, and we walked away and Levine's like, well, that's gonna be an episode of four. He's gonna have that device. Yeah, well but also what's amazing is
1: that it took you 45 minutes to make that happen. It's like you saw it.
0: <laughs> we, we,
1: like you and I were chatting, and I feel like Levine was just staring at the item and then like, <laughs> like okay, yeah,
0: this's gonna, the, gonna be this. Oh, oh, that's yeah, that's great. <laughs> That's really fun. Right. Exactly. That kind of thing. Um, fun. It's fun. The
1: you know, it's, it's, it's good because it's like, I feel like with any character you play, you want to have um, some guidance for some waypoints, some things that you know that you can familiarize yourself with. And then you can also play off of that, like variations on a theme. So it's nice that you guys embrace that idea where you, and it also fe- it feeds everything. It feeds, it feeds my confidence in taking on these characters and like, allows me to be comfortable living in the world. It also feeds you, I would imagine, as creators and writers to to sort of go, go, go further with places. Um, you know, that's, that's, that's the fun Well, of it. it
0: doesn't always happen um, even with actors that you respect and love and want to do the show, but sometimes people just, I mean, the great thing for us with you is that me, you, and Levine would have just been friends had we met in any sort of situation, and that just makes the vibe, it's like, well, that's just easy. The yeah. conversations don't I'm not interviewing you. that's why it works. I'm we're just fucking bullshitting around. and you say something that Dave and I happen to find fascinating so then it has to make its way. And then we exaggerate it for the show, obviously, you know. Man, you brought up the dyslexia. And, you know, my daughter's dyslexic and a great writer and, and, um, we've talked about it a bunch and I, I'm, I'm really, I really find it compelling people who've managed to be successful in an endeavor that requires their intellect when there had to be a time in their life that some institutions told them that they weren't smart because of their learning issues and i'm i'm wondering just in order to serve other people really if 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 you could talk about how in your childhood it showed up what it made you feel like and and how you learned to compensate and take as much time as you want like um you know it's a podcast you can just talk
1: <laughs> yeah i mean you know i think it was uh it was a ch- it was a challenge <laughs> to, say, to say the least um, and it manifests itself into a lot of different negative ways i mean uh, there's the Fear of not wanting to speak or not wanting to read. Oh my God, reading in front of class—that was just that was hell on earth, and it coupled with the fact that I was like trapped, like living in so many different places as a kid, and the, you know, being an army brat. So it was really just a, a, a real um, challenge of 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 trying to of of, of trying to find a. Uh, a free and healthy way to learn and to exist as a developing kid, right? Like that, that was such, that was such a challenge.
0: Well, that's said very well as a grown-up, but as a kid, how did that, I'm, as a, as a grown-up, you understand that, but as a child, I, I, I have to think there was a lot of pain at times.
1: Yeah, there, there was a lot of struggle. And, but I think, I think what, yeah, there's, there's such an interesting feeling that happens when you are reading something and can't, the words together and to to make it make sense and it is a it is like a like the bottom drops out like that really feels like Uh. sort of being stranded in in, Uh. in like suspended in time and that's shitty uh fortunately i think what where i was able to find some footing is in character uh, even before you know I, I didn't know i wanted to be an actor but i think there was something about wanting to uh, i guess okay i, should, I guess i say it this way it, it it was very uncomfortable as a kid to deal with these this ailment or this issue and as a result of it i just found I hid like i, f- I found comedy i found character i found a certain type of type of personality or I did impressions. I did Steve Urkel impressions. That's
0: so a we should talk about that in a second. But uh, Wait, you did you did what impressions? Urkel impressions from family matters. Oh, that you know it's Urkel I, I thought you said Steve Earl because your mic cut out. And oh, I was oh, like, yeah. you you doing Steve Earl would be um amazing. Yeah. Oh that you, would you, be extraordinary. You doing Jaleel breaks my heart. <laughs> that breaks my heart. To Steve Earle, I would be like, "Let's stop everything. I want to hear you play Guitar Town right now." And you're a great musician; you could, but it a totally different thing.
1: It's the next podcast. We'll do. I'll do. I'll work up my Steve Earle.
0: <laughs> yeah, but uh, but okay. So you're let's let's do this. Your your dad is in which which sir which branch?
1: Uh, he is retired now, but he was in the army.
0: So he's in the army then. Is your mother a working mother, or is she taking care of you guys? She was a p- family, taking care of the family. And I know your siblings were older, so it was a lot of the time just just you, right?
1: And youngest of four, uh, but they're
0: ten and thirteen years older. What so real, a real gap? What was your dad's job it, it, usually?
1: Uh, munitions inventory,
0: moving. Oh, he was a all, he was a logistics person,
1: moving a lot of things from one position to another.
0: <laughs> oh, I'm in awe of logistics, military people. It's the, ho- I've talked about it before. That's the job I'd be worst at in the whole world. Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Which is why I think when I told my dad, I didn't want to be, I, I didn't want to be in the army. He was like, good. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> either, either really didn't want me to be in the army or he just knew I couldn't. Yeah. Do that.
0: But the way you're able to manage certain parts of your life makes sense to me. You being the cook you are and the mixologist you are. In the logistics way, you approach that stuff and catalog it, and it all actually connects. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, so he's in the, in the, in the army, which, which necessitates you guys moving around. So yes. Much. Well, which I imagine for a child with dyslexia, each time you're going to come in, you're going to show off how verbal you are, how smart you are, how quick you are. And then there's going to be the moment that people look at you and they go. Oh, he's actually dumb. He can't read. He can't right. do a thing. And right. you know that's going to hit. Yeah. And and so what do you what do you do? You you try
1: distractions. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 such a hard you know like you 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 dig in and try to like just stare at those words and hope that those words are going to like unjumble themselves and make sense, or you you know, you, you, you be goofy, <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like, it, it's, it's such an
0: interesting. Yeah. Sort of su- survival. Because how old were you when you figured out, Oh, this is a thing and learn to decode. Like how old were you? I think that was when we got,
1: when we left Germany, we moved to um, the Midwest. Uh, and it was around that time. So that would have been, I, was, I would say, maybe sort of like the beginning of middle school is when I really started to notice it.
0: Were you usually in schools where you were the only African-American kid or where it was multicultural?
1: Mostly the only African-American kid uh, until I went to a Magnet Arts High School in Florida, in Jacksonville, Florida. But
0: that's family. later.
1: So late, late in the game. When I, you know, when I got back from the States, I mean, from, um, from, from Germany to the Midwest, that was, that was bigger culture shock than going to Europe, right? It was to come back yeah, you a know, little black kid with a slight German accent and, were, you know, the white kids didn't know what to do with me and the black kids didn't know what to do with me. It was like, it's like, who, who is this mother? <laughs> it's
0: such a strange, such a strange time. Um, were strange. you good at that military brat thing of, of making yourself known and connected or did, were you, cause you're, you are very good at going to, I mean, you are now as an adult, you're yeah. quite good at, at, at being in the, you know, connective tissue and being the center if you have to like, you're able, to, you're able to help the vibe in the room. I've seen it, you're very good at that. And I, um, I'm sure that's from your professional life, but I have a feeling it's from your childhood too.
1: Yeah, I think that developed over time. Uh, and I think my, my family also helped with that as well. It's like my mom knew how to like, just set up shop in a new place and instantly make it feel like home, right? So she, you know, and that was through, you know, food you know it's like as soon, soon as you get moved to a new place like find the ingredients find find that how, how are people cooking how are people eating you know you just that that's your grounding because it's it's a necessity right to eat so um that was very that was very helpful to learn to learn through example of how to just set up shop in a new place um shutting shop down is a whole different beast for me though <laughs> because, oh yeah, yeah. It's just like, you know, it's 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 almost too swift, you know, the coming, coming from
0: having lived all over the place. It's like, all right, boop, 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 bye. <laughs> you, you know? Well, that's the, I mean, our business. Yeah. One of the amazing things about our business is, you know, you are so intimate with people and you might not speak to them for two years afterwards.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, you always have the, I will say, if I've made a movie with you or I've made a thing with you, or we went through, you know, if I see you in 10 years, we are like family because we did the thing. But I might not see you for 10 years, not you. But you know what I mean? Like when you're younger, like that happens. So you're used to that ahead of time, basically. Yeah, I used to that,
1: which is also why I think I found myself like setting up a shop in Broadway because, you know, like, I, did, you know, I did Hamilton for three years. I did Book of Mormon for three years. It was, it, like there was something about like, Settling down on a on a on a long running show that felt like a, trying to combat that army brat side of me, you
0: know. Right. So, from all your Broadway experience, you're saying that's part of the why you think you've like re- signed up for shows from multiple years and not, you know, and kept doing it, not not being as peripatetic as 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 many people are who, who do what we do.
1: Yeah, yeah. But there's a I think I think are always looking for some sort of grounding. with with whatever project or stage in my life I step into. Um, Also doing doing a long running show is also fun because it's just, you know, a lot of meat on the bone, right? So it's just fun to, you know, do do something and explore it and see what's different and experience what's different each night.
0: Daniel, when did you realize, because that gift of being funny and when you started to get laughs by being Urkel, did it hit you in a certain way, like... Oh, I really like getting these laughs. Did it just serve as distraction? I mean, what did it give you?
1: It was was a relief because it was better than being picked on, right? So, so it was. It it really all came as a result of like trying to like fight the bullies, fight the racists, fight fight the negativity that I got for being other wherever I went. So, as soon as I could get a laugh or a rise out of somebody, it was like, oh,
0: it was more of a relief than anything else. Um. You would be able to leapfrog out of the status of other, like, because suddenly they would start to see there's a person there. That's yeah. not just a, that's not, oh, that's the, a black guy. I better to treat that person the way that my racist parents have taught me to. But you would, you you would kind of leapfrog over that and become something else to them quickly because of yeah, disability. Right.
1: Yeah, because also like comedy and things that are funny are are one of the great unifiers, right? Uh,
0: uh, absolutely, yeah, of course. You
1: you, see, you witness something that makes you laugh, and that's that's communal, and it's fun. well, and
0: it's it's visceral too, right? It it, yeah. it creates. Well, it's like that amazing scene, right? Um, that amazing scene in the pizzeria between the two brothers in in Do the Right Thing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, when he's naming those people and he's like, They're, they're not black, you know, and, and uh, no, it's an incredible scene because those people have have caused this emotional reaction in the horrible racist, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny, there are young people listening to this who probably have like just don't know that movie. Uh,
1: yeah. Um, what was, the most, what was it?
0: 20, 30 years ago? I, yeah, dude, I'm 55. I saw that movie when I was 22. Gosh, I got No, truly. Um, but you were living through uh, some of this stuff and did a teacher or a a coach an acting, like, did somebody recognize in you, okay, this kid has some sort of a gift. Did you recognize it in yourself? What, what got you started toward, uh, acting? Hmm. I mean, there,
1: you know, there, there's, there, there were so many years of me just like goofing off, like being goofy Danny around the house. And I think, I think my mom really uh, supported that in, in in a, in a wonderful way. My family did. Um, but I wouldn't, I would say a teacher, oh my gosh, there's a, there's a handful of teachers that, that came through my life that launched me into different places or, or, or one or, or encouraged me to, to, uh, to pursue it. It's, it's interesting because there's, you know, there's, when when we finally left the Midwest and went to this went to Florida, where my parents are from, they're from Jacksonville. When we went we went to this magnet arts high school that really like everything just took off. So I only did two years at that school, and it was just, I mean, teacher after teacher there just like put, saw me and pushed me into my uncomfortable spaces so that I could so I could make a habit of just being uncomfortable and and in the best of ways and like finding finding vulnerability, finding character. And then, so the, I feel like that was a big, a big push down the hill from, from that school, uh, Douglas Anderson School of the Arts. Woo-hoo. And then it wasn't until Juilliard that I, I just started to hone all of that craft thanks to a handful of great, great teachers at that school. So, you know, it, you know it, it, I would say my high school asked me, uh, you know, asked the question, Is this what you want to do? Do you want to be an actor? And then Juilliard
0: answered that question for me. That is really well said. What was the internal journey though, to some sort of confidence like, and also when did you, when did you like, like Anna, our daughter, you know she luckily they didn't have this when you and I were young but she was watching the television show Arthur and they had an episode about dyslexia and she called us into the room when she was in second grade and she said this is me i have this dyslexia whatever this is i have this and so we were able to get her tested and in fact she did and then we there were schools you know that could f- quickly has, she reads great she's a great reader but like what how did it get sorted and then, or did it never get sorted?
1: You know, honestly, if the, if the, if there had been those tools, or if we would have been able to like catch that, catch catch that before, I mean, my gosh, I think I would have been in an entirely different ballgame right now. But but so that 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 really was really more like self self care and trying to figure out my own way through it, which is just the, you know, that's the that's the shitty thing that comes from that.
0: So if I would have met you before performing art school, where you were obviously good at something would I have met a confident uh, person with inner self-regard or not met that person no
1: no you you would have met somebody a little like off the walls <laughs> just in terms of like energy and and uh, and lack of focus I think you, uh, I would say um and then that didn't roll in until it didn't really roll in until New York where i started to like get, started to gain a certain level of confidence through exploration right i think it was the thing that gave me foundation and 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 surefootedness was the joy of exploration of- so it was
0: curiosity more than ambition for yeah. you yeah yeah, yeah. oh yeah. that's fascinating and great it it wasn't i'm coming and mark, make my mark it was no. Oh, something I love to do. I want to do more of this. I want to find out. I want to, for real, that's really what was happening for you. Yeah. It
1: was like, I was, it was really, it wasn't about like, I, I am important enough that everybody should see this. No, it was more about look at this Avenue, look at this alley, look at the street talking specifically about like characters or projects or work. Right. So that was my, that was my way in. That was my way to sort of like keep my head down and focus on, on the positives and not necessarily the negative parts of uh, of the band.
0: how did how did you, how did you even how did Juilliard even come into being a possibility for a kid who's in Jacksonville, Florida?
1: Uh, my teachers at douglas anderson um, uh, you know there weren't a lot of kids that auditioned for Juilliard at that point from that school, though so a lot of kids got into great schools um, down there and uh I think it was Lee Beeger, one of my teachers, was like, "You should, uh, you should. We're going to apply. We're going to apply to Juilliard." Fortunately, it's the only school I got into um, because they don't take grades. <laughs> so no, I, was like, I think we did DePaul, we did
0: Florida State, we did SMU, we did all these other schools. My grades were garbage. <laughs> so, so they they wrote like, recommend they wrote recommendations, and then you had to come to New York to audition. Yeah. My sister lived in Chicago at the time, so we went to the Chicago uh, auditions instead. Um,
1: and we, uh, you know, I, I was the yeah uh, we, uh, you know, it's so funny. If I had known what Juilliard was, I would not have gotten I'm
0: kind of asking that.
1: Let me just check this thing out. So I went in and like Michael Kahn, who was running the school at the time. Um, we did like some some stuff. We're moving around, we're doing some character animal work, and we do, uh, you know, I, it, and then and then I went into my two monologues, and Michael Kahn was like, "Okay, good. You got you got anything else?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, sure." So I did like another monologue, and he was like, "You got anything else?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, sure." So I did another monologue, and he was like, "Good, good, good." What else you got? Just, really? He just kept pushing. He was like, "Who the fuck is this guy?" He's like, "I just like, more and more, more and more, more and more." Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I I really I'm like my god, if if I had known, wait, how did you have so many monologues
0: memorized, man?
1: Spoon River Anthology <laughs> is a great. Is a great piece of just like, you know, it's a bunch of fucking monologues. Right. And so we had just done that in school in, in, a, in my art school before. And thank God I had like a bunch of those. And then i then like a monologue from the monologues from a bunch of, from a book of monologues, you know, like curse of the starving class. And like probably some crazy, like some, I can't remember what Shakespeare I was doing. Maybe it was a Dromeo or one of those.
0: So I just like, just you had just got, you had them, you just had them. Cause you loved it. You did it. It, it was your thing.
1: Yeah. And it was also just like training, training the voice, like just getting, you know, just like getting, getting my, my thoughts, my mind, my language, all together. You know, was a muscle.
0: Did you know you were very talented at that time?
1: I think, I think I knew that there was some some talent in there that was like needed to be tapped into. Like I, you know, and I only knew this through the the passion that my teachers had for my, my talent. I did not, that didn't really register in me. Um, So thank, thank God. It's like, like, you know, it's a bummer that we didn't catch this dyslexia as a, as a, as a younger kid, but thank God I had some teachers throughout my life that were like, yeah, this kid, I think this kid can go far, you know?
0: oh it's so amazing yeah and so fortunate that you just had you know that your circumstance required you at a young age to develop the ability to shape shift (laughs) in order to survive i mean basically i mean you're saying it all lightly now but going to a strange environment as a dyslexic black kid that could go so fucking badly man and (laughs) uh right i'm saying the environment could just try to absolutely crush you and you could be the focus uh, of all the anger and all the fucking bad, like I, you know, so obviously this was your way of surviving, yeah. and then luckily you were fucking good at it.
1: Yeah, it's a what is it? Let my let my failures be my sharpest weapon.
0: Yeah, that well, and and as as you start to drift toward the arts, kind of officially, how does the military dad? feel about it what kind of feedback are you getting at home from that
1: i think i'm getting very positive feedback because Good. Uh, because i think i think my dad joined the army because that was the best option for a black man in the 60s to to in in florida right like that that is the option right so um i don't think that necessarily got i mean if it did come my way i didn't <laughs> i didn't notice it but i i, I think there was a clear understanding that that was not going to be my path also my parents were are also like really really embrace the arts I mean it's so, you know my I think my mom and my sister went to a production of guys and dolls and in, in community theater and when we lived in Germany my brother um did comedy sports when we lived in 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 uh in the midwest and did um did uh did plays and musicals so it was it's all it's all there it's it's in the it's in the family I think my great-grandfather was a was a was a hoofer, like on the chitlin circuit so i think there was a there was a an embrace of of oh my dad was a drummer also so like me arts arts and arts were everywhere in in the breaker household it's like arts and duty <laughs> those are the two things right. that, that that thrived in the household it's like even like saturdays of cleaning up you know you're listening we're listening to like max roach and earth wind and fire and you know there's there's music and movement everywhere in the in the household
0: macarthur genius max roach
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Correct.
0: Uh, I. Uh, yeah. That's that's amazing. Did when you worked with Spike? Did you tell him that your grandfather was a dancer? Because you know he made all. Whole... I was
1: so intimidated with Spike Lee. Oh my god. Oh man. Oh man. Oh man. Oh man. You know because the first thing we did. We've done two movies together. I mean we did. We did Red Hook Summer. Uh, but before that, he. You know. He yeah. know did... you did Passing Strange. Yeah. And like that, I was so fucking intimidated. Spike Lee, are you kidding me? I, I was so nervous around that dude. I could not, I could not think straight with him.
0: <laughs> I, I've I've known Spike since I'm 19. Uh, we coached Little League together. Oh, and yeah, I he still makes me nervous. Uh, so I've known him. I mean we co literally, one day he comes up to me at a nick game and he's like, I forgot to sign Jackson up for uh, Little League, and, and what's Sam doing? And I said, "Well, we we Sam's in." I'm like, "You want to should Jackson come on the team? You guys want to? I can get it. I can make it happen." We'll he goes, "We'll coach together." I'm like, "Yeah, we'll coach together." So we did like three years in a row. I can't believe I've never told this. I have the best stories. I will not tell them on the podcast. You will <laughs> love the stories. Oh my god. Go <laughs> okay. ahead. I I know I went. When the podcast ends, do not hang up. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say right now. But, um.
1: Spike was, we've, so, okay. So he, he swept in to do uh, to direct, uh, to, to, to capture um, Passing Strange, you know, the show, uh, people, people were loving the show, but it just wasn't selling. It wasn't, it wasn't a Broadway show for at that point. Right. So he comes in to film to, to film it like documentary guerrilla style and he brings his team in and my God, it was, it was a hell of a weekend. Like the final weekend of filming was, was him live audience and him filming. The next day we're filming the final, even more stuff, like close ups and things. It's like three in the morning. We're like, we've been filming all day after we close the show with the live audience. We're filming now just all day after, you know, after closing, it's now three in the morning and he's like breaker. Uh, you know, that monologue you do at the end of the show, you, uh, you always cry when you do that? And I was like, yeah, that's like, you know, it's some funeral, like, yeah, I was, like, you tear up at, you, you do a tear up every show? I was like, yeah, 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 every show. I had to fi- find a way to, like, pull up some tears. He's like, uh-huh. You're not going to dry up when I put a camera front of your face on you. That is a motherfucker. And then... And then and then, of course, the, re- like, the, course, the, the rest of the, the next three hours I was like, please cry, Daniel, please cry. Just oh, like, my God. Oh, my God. It's like, you kill me. Kill me, Spike. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, he's one of my true heroes, artistic, one of my true artistic heroes, like one of the biggest influences on me as a dialogue writer and, you know, truly like a, a, a true hero. But that cat and I love him. I would I, I like I say, I've known him since I'm 19, but he is not easy. <laughs> Get all spiked. I don't want to really leap ahead, but passing strange, I'm surprised you said that the show didn't really work commercially because Daniel, I have had so many people tell me that the single greatest performance they've ever seen in a musical theater was you in that show. <laughs> And so many members of our cast have said that to me. I've had people stop me and be like, do you have any idea now? I don't go to a lot of musicals and I never saw it. Um, I saw you in Hamilton. You killed it. Uh, incredible. But um, what did it feel like to be in something that affected people the way that that affected people and know that the thing you did is the thing that affected people in that way?
1: Yeah. You know, that that show, oh, man. Um, first of all, that show fell into my lap. I was, it was, it was a workshop at Sundance theater lab and they like needed a black guy and they're like, Oh, let's put, let's put him in the same. I thought, I thought I was going to, I thought I had like three lines in this thing. I could sit down and I'm like, Oh my God, I'm playing like a young Stew." You gotta be fucking kidding me. I was like totally unprepared. And then he starts playing these songs. You know, he has a connection to Germany as well. And it was really like art and life coming together and, it it barely looked like a venn diagram just like like a big circle where where just this idea of being an outcast and and identity and race and like all these things coming together so it was a tailor-made uh project with that comes real struggle it was you know just like like staying in that world was it was hard to like sort of like live in it because there's some you know there's some dark some some dark journeys there but um You know, like I'm proud to say that there, you know, a a great person once said that like an an artist, if they're lucky at the end of their life, will have done five true pieces of of art. And I'm happy to say that like Passing Strange is on that list.
0: Yeah, Yeah. right. It
1: was really, really difficult journey to, to bring out. But it affected I think it affected everyone. You know, you talk about the people who like, who see it and have such a cult following to it. I think, I think people really loved it as much as we loved it. I mean, I think we, the cast, were, were so proud of that project. And it was, it was a, it was some heavy lifting, but we did that thing. You know, it was like one of the first shows where you saw people like black people playing Germans, black people playing Dutch. You know, like that was such a fun world to dive into. And, you know, it was not. know we were 30 percent capacity in that in that when we were doing that on broadway you know so thank god spike captured it
0: but um you know i gotta watch i'm gonna watch the movie tonight i am going to watch the movie tonight i've never seen it so i'm gonna watch it
1: tonight yeah yeah, get the turn the volume up
0: Uh, yeah i gotta do that um Amy will love, it. it'll be pretty, se- she may have actually seen the show. Um, I'm pretty sure she did see the show when you guys did it, but yeah. she'll want to watch it. It's right up her, uh, oh, yeah. it's right it's up like her it, alley.
1: David Cosimo was like singing songs when we we're on set. He'll just start singing songs from the show. I'm He's like, the biggest
0: fan of that show and new performance. Yeah. He can't <laughs> stop. Was Lynn a fan of Passing Strange? Is that how you met Lynn? Uh, so, Lynn so Lynn, so Passing Strange was on Broadway the same year. This is, this is
1: still what I could recall is like what I, what I thought would have been like a really great broadway year and i thought it would would be sustainable but it has not but um in the heights was on broadway the same year that passing strangers on broadway and i was like well this is this is if this is what we got if this is the vocabulary this was my first sort of step into the broadway world in a, in a, in a real way i was like if this is if this is what's happening then then i look forward to seeing the, the range of diversity that broadway is going to be um not so much now but <laughs> Different story, but um, but yeah. So Lynn, so we like we went to go see his, his show. They went came to see see uh, our show, and so Lin Lynn was Lin Lynn was uh, Lynn was very much into it. Man, he was a real fan of it. And I think that's when I first met him. Yeah, when he came to see the show, it was the first time I met him.
0: Like, would you then see each other out at dinner? Do people still do that thing? I mean, not in a non COVID world. Do people still, after the show, go to one of a few places to? Have after show yeah. drinks or dinner.
1: Oh, yeah. So back, back during the passing strange days, we were always at uh, Unda Toi. We would always go with. Oh yeah, dinner. I've,
0: so, I've yeah. gone there with actors after shows. Yeah, yeah. Would them, would, So would now. you see that that cast in there sometimes? I would see that cast in
1: there because I think they were hooking. They were go. They were at other places, but if you would you would see a lot of folks like passing through, and you know, just like you know, it's a social. It was a social world, right? So that that's that. I think that still goes on. I mean, I've become a snob of food. So I, if I'm going out, right.
0: it's know. not going to be in Midtown. <laughs> you know, we'll talk about that in a second, but, but I, I want to just talk for one second about, um, <clears throat> like that feeling, um, you know, Germany to Illinois, to Jacksonville, to Lincoln center to Broadway. So when you're in a show and now it's, you know, you're Tony nominated and people are freaking out about what you do. and you're going to Unda de Trois for for dinner with the cast and the director and Purdue, whatever. What's that feel like, man? Do you get? Do you have a moment where you say to yourself, "I made it, um, I've done it"? Uh, is it? Is there a moment you exhale?
1: No, I mean, I think there's a moment where I and might, I have I have small moments of celebration, but I. I don't think so. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, maybe, maybe, I'm, maybe I should, maybe I should have more, uh, <laughs> maybe I should celebrate those things more often. I always feel like I'm not necessarily in a hungry way, but, but in a way I'm like, oh, that was okay. I'm in this thing. What's the next thing? Like, what's the, ne- what's the next project and how can it be different from the thing that I'm doing right now? Right. I think that's, that's my, that's my drive, but Maybe that's also a flaw, you know, is to not take a moment. I mean, you want some
0: combo. You definitely don't want to be like, I made it, I'm done. But I would think that, I would think that uh, living that actor's life in New York City at that time, there would have been some sense of, okay, this is pretty fucking badass, (laughs) but you you know as opposed because there's a couple ways like it could be oh what a pain in the butt all right i guess we'll go to dinner all right i gotta be back in the theater but then some part of me would at least go take like i remember i remember when david and i walked onto the warner brothers lot for the first day of shooting oceans 13 and walked over to where they, they were building the casino. And we were totally in the mode of, all right, well, we got to do this and we got to solve that problem and fuck. Okay. uh, It's a little nerve wracking. George has a couple notes that we're going to, so, and, you know, and I remember walking into the casino and just being all about that. And then Dave and I looking at each other and it's a blessing of the partnership thing. And one of us saying to the other one, wait, stop, we're going to deal with all that, but we have to, if we're doing this, we have to take one second and we have to go. We're on the Warner Brothers lot shooting a movie with George Clooney and Brad Pitt and Steven Soderbergh and this casino got built because we had an idea for a casino. And yeah. well, I remember just taking a moment and going, it might not ever be this again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's useful. Then it sucks. You know, then there's all sorts of, you know, <laughs> the business, the business will shit on your head every day. So, like, uh, you, you know, finding ways to take a moment of joy out of it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I will say, I will say there is uh, that you that reminded me of a moment on opening night of Passing Strange, right? So, you know, it's opening night. Uh, in a, in a, you know, if the produce, if the show's not good, all the producers leave the party early, right? If the reviews are good, they stick around, right? So everybody's sticking around, right? And that feels, that, feel, oh, that feels really good, right? And then at one point, <laughs> uh, Liz McCann, our lead producer, and, and Schoenfeld, Jerry Schoenfeld, um, <clears throat> stopped the party, they stopped the music to read the review oh wow like a crazy thing a crazy thing to read a review yeah because there's always going
0: to be some ding in there about somebody
1: and then and then and out comes marianne seldes to read the fucking review and it was it was a rave like it was it was a love letter to everybody a, a, a part of it and i just remember like marianne seldes with perfect speech reading this review and my family's there and Kate's there oh. and you know everybody everybody's everybody's there and that was that was a fun moment because it was just absurd <laughs> it was like it was such a it was such a funny bizarre and positive experience to have this thing happening to be like oh here you we have now found our footing in a different place now and now we're going to run with that actually f- f- finished it we turned the music back up and we just started dancing and then we saw the sun come up right that was that was a fun i feel like that i could i could probably do do with more of those or like celebrating moments of uh,
0: well well for, yeah and from that you become a first call person for many different kinds of uh, uh roles you know you 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 were the originating person who played the part in shrek right um yep. Yep. and not sure who played shrek brian darcy james the one and only so it was you and brian darcy james were the leads of the show that foster yeah and uh and then you joined the cast of book of mormon and did yeah, that I for...
1: the cast already in progress yeah i joined that
0: and then how the fuck does hamilton happen and just you gotta like tell me that process and also what your conversation with yourself was about stepping into those shoes in that moment in a thing that's once a century basically yeah
1: yeah, yeah truly i mean well first off i had a, I, I remember my manager sent me um uh, an audition for Hamilton downtown
0: and- well, here, I want to I want, hold on, I want to say I want to set one thing which is there aren't that many actors on Broadway who earn a real living from Broadway and I think it's just important to say you were, had already put yourself in a position where you were a name player on Broadway so no. you were getting offered stuff you were getting the opportunities you're you're somebody was able to live like a good life working on
1: oh my gosh yeah I mean I I am truly fortunate and one of the rare ones who has not had to get another job who has right been, like my yeah. main my main support financial support and steady career has been been thanks
0: to Broadway and other jobs right that's yeah it's because uh, of the work you did you put yourself in this position so you're you're a name player on on Broadway at this point it's not an I am saying before even uh, uh you know ha- Hamilton Post pass Strange you're somebody who, who mattered on on the stage in New York people come to see you uh, you do your own act, too, and Capra, all that stuff. But still, so you get asked to come and read for Lynn for the downtown.
1: Yes, for the downtown production. And I said, no. And I was like, I don't. Why? I, I was like, I don't rap. I don't know how to rap. I can croon. I can like boo, 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 boo. boo but I can't rap. <laughs> so I was like, no way. No way. So I, I, I said, no. You pass. Yeah, I passed. My manager was like, uh, you sure? And I was like, ah, yeah, I can't do that. I can't rap. No. So I passed. And then and do you to- even call Lynn? Do you even
0: text Lynn or call no, him and no, say, no, sorry, no, dude?
1: No, no, no. I was like, I, I, just, I was like, no, I was like, there's no way this is, this is a mistake. They're not even looking for me. This is, this is wrong. Cut to like years later, everyone was like, got to see the show. Got to see the show. I was like, okay, okay. All right. I'm going to check this out. And then it was just
0: at the public. So you go to the public.
1: I didn't even get, I didn't even go see it at the public. I was like, I was, I was like in my own world. I didn't, I didn't even like go down, go down, go see it downtown. Everybody is talking about it. It's impossible to get there, get get tickets to see it, and then I finally see it on Broadway, but a few months after it opens on Broadway, and I was laid out, man. I was a, I was a mess after this thing because I was like, I've never seen something so uh, uh, creatively ridiculous on stage. I mean, like the fact does the the sheer, the sheer scope of what of what he put on that on that stage is insane it's insane best thing ever
0: it's the best thing ever i
1: was <laughs> like 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 the like the, the the form the structure the content the storytelling the language it's like every, every part of it is just
0: i mean it's it's a work of art man it's like it's it's it's, it's one of the best things i've ever seen in my whole life like, like i i put that and like the gates in central park no like, yeah huh, no i like they're like eight or nine things I've ever seen of art in my life. And that Hamilton is one of those, like to where I can't, it's indescribable. The first time you see that shit, it's indescribable. So you're yeah, sitting there, but you also knew theoretically you could have been a part of it.
1: Oh my God. Cause I, well, first, first off, like I watched it and I, like, really my mouth was open for three hours. Like I just, yeah. I was, and then I even floated out of there. Like what? Oh, I saw, I saw Leslie. So like went backstage. Cause yeah, uh, of course. You know, you know, being black in Broadway, everybody knows everybody, and so, so I went back to like, you know, like see, see the folks and see like Chris Jackson and Chris and all this one, and then Chris is amazing. Les- yeah, he's amazing. I saw Leslie and I just started weeping. I was like, oh my, I was just like, just like, oh, my God. I was like, man, this thing is amazing. This, is, this show is amazing. What you guys are doing is blah, 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 blah.
0: right. Then they're all just exhausted. <laughs> I weep. I know you can't help seeing it with that cast on. Broadway, you weep your eyes out. You
1: can't help oh, it. Oh my gosh, my god, um, God! And so, yeah, and so I saw it, and then it was—it was like, it was like it—it it, it was like a coil was like tightening over the course of like three to five days. It was just getting tighter and tighter and tighter as I was like thinking about the show, and then it popped, and I was like, I got to be in this. Oh no way, really. It was just like I need to be boom, and it just like hit me. I was like, I need to be in this. What do I need to do? Who do I need to talk to? Let's do it. Let's do this. Let's do it. So, so I just what went
0: out. And you I what just knew Burr was the part. You knew you wanted Burr.
1: I didn't actually have an opinion on who to be in it. I just wanted to be in it.
0: So what'd you do? What did you do? I,
1: I, I you know, I was I was still still in Book of Mormon, and I like expressed my you know I. I, I to, had, I, I I lit the fires, I was like, "Tell all the people I want to be in this show in any capacity," <laughs> um, and um, and uh, they were like, "Sure, yeah." As well, soon as as something soon as something opens up, we'll uh, we'll we'll let you know. And then let's see, that was 2017. I went to audition for it. Like, I had have like a fi- like a proper meeting and sing some songs. Is that 17? Yeah, and then. But who did you went, go? Wait, who was there when you
0: went? They, everybody was there.
1: Like you know, all you know, everybody. this, Tommy, like everybody. The public was there. The creative is there. Like Blankenbuler. It's like a, it's like a family reunion in there. Um,
0: so Jill it's like, Herman, I imagine, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah every, everybody. <laughs> I I, I, th- I thought you were. And there. you went in to do. You you went in there to do Burr. At that time, so, or were you saying they first
1: were thinking Washington or Jefferson? Right, and then. And then quickly, were are like uh, Burr, right? So the first thing came out was like Washington Jefferson, one of those two. And then they like rescinded and was like actually coming coming for Burr. Um, but there was no space. There was not, nothing available. It was like no 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 space. So uh, I kept finished kept doing Book of Mormon, and then a slot opened up in the Chicago production. Wayne Brandy was stepping out, and so I went to Chicago for a few months.
0: Who calls you? Who calls you to offer you that?
1: God, who made that call? I think my manager did because my manager is managers with Lynn and and Karen Olivo. and like he were, like everybody's all in the, same, in the same in the same family, so I got the call and he was like, "Hey, uh, Lynn wants you to come out to Chicago for just to fill fill a fill a void." So I went out there. That's where I that's where I debuted it out there, and that was a joy. And honestly, it was great to do it out there and not in New York because I think I needed to like. I just, I didn't need my, my, I didn't know anybody on Chicago except my, one of my best friends. So it was like, great. That's all I got out there. I just need to like focus, clear my head, learn this behemoth of a role two weeks in, I learned two weeks and then, and then I was up and running.
0: I mean, the first time you sing, uh, I'm the guy who shot him. Yeah. I know you're in the part and you're in the thing, but do you get chills? Does it happen? Like, It was, it was first I was a slow is a turnaround of like only having two
1: weeks to learn this shit it was crazy. And then I was, I was fine up until it started. <laughs> so I was like, I was totally chill. I was like, all right, I got this. And I was done. Dun, 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 right. dun. So I'm, like, I'm like walking out. and the lights come up and I don't remember anything. Oh I mean, my
0: like, God. Really?
1: I think i might. I think I got my first line wrong. I was like, it's like, I don't know what it is, but I got, I got, I, got, I, I messed up some line, but I just remember like, how does, like, everything went into slow motion. It's like 1,800 seats in there Chicago. Oh my God. Oh, my God. I was so fucking nervous. And then I was like, thank God I got that out. out. And then it was just like, play. Uh, right after that, it's second, second show, playtime. Fun, fun, right. fun. Because, fun, yeah, fun.
0: because right after, I mean, right after Alexander Hamilton, then you have to do the burser song, which is really hard, right? I think,
1: I just, it does not slow down. There's, it does not slow down for Bursar. Right. He's on stage watching or he's driving something or he's like he's just like it, you're 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 there you're all over that thing it's like burr's dna is all over that show <laughs> but but they but what's great is that the cast was supportive the creatives were supportive the and there was no time to like even get in my head it was just like oh okay we're we're now we're now we're now moving we now found our, found our rhythm and that's also why i just loved doing you know i did a thousand shows a thousand performances for that show and i never got tired of it because it was just a joy to dive in, dive into that language. So I did Chicago for a little for a few months. And then uh Brendan Victor Dixon decided not to renew and they were like, breaker, come to New York. So I was out there for what like, four months and then I had a week off and then went right right to Broadway. And then we did it.
0: Did you have family come the first night? Like, did your wife come the first night in New York? I was like, no family, nobody. It's like nobody's coming. Oh, that's awesome, really. <laughs> alone <laughs> how long until you let somebody kid, come
1: uh, I, I, I I think i said like give it a week and then my older son he's seen it he saw the show he's seen the show nine times he saw me five or six times he was so he was so happy god i want
0: to cry now man it's like the most wow. amazing thing that you got I and mean, that you did that in that way and you were yeah yeah it was it was also i mean i gotta say that that show was so important because
1: of you know Yes, I enjoy Broadway. It was not necessarily a thing that I thought I would do in my life. I thought I was going to be doing more Shakespeare in my life. Um, that's my true love is is the Bard. Uh, and, you know, I, I've enjoyed Broadway. I have a lot of challenges with Broadway. It's lack of diversity. It's lack of developing into new thoughts. I, I, and that's a whole other podcast. But coming from a show like Book of Mormon, which borderline racist, uh, but also a fun show, whatever my son couldn't see that he couldn't see that that type of show it's 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 not it's not it wouldn't be the world that i would want him to see hamilton is everything that i want my offsprings to witness right it is a show of not just diversity but like language and joy and strength and power and and all and all of the emotions that come with what it is to be a person in the world and it brought me immense joy to know that I've done that project, that he is my son has been able to witness that. Is is I guess like you say, like the the same way that you had that moment on the lot, right? Like that 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 is a moment for me is to sort of like bring my kid up on the stage after the show and 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 be like, all right, this is
0: This I is a world that's available. There. This is a yeah. world that's available for you and for us.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: That's an incredible. Uh, sorry, I mean, you just casually said that um, you thought Book of Mormon was borderline racist. So, how are you doing a show and, and feeling that way? Or is that a dawning realization as you're going? Are you able to affect it as you're going?
1: Yeah, I think that I think the roles over time. I mean, I think, I think there are certain parts of it that you're like, oh, okay, that's funny, but uh, to, at, at what cost? Right. And I think over time that. Of doing the show is like oh, okay, this is this is starting to eat away at me a bit more. Starting to, you know. <laughs>
0: noticing where those laughs show up, you mean?
1: Yeah, yeah. The,
0: noticing what punchline lands in which way.
1: Yeah, and also who is the butt of the joke for most of the show is like that starts to roll in. You're like, okay, this is this is um, this is unsettling. And then after you know three years of it, you're like, oh my god, this is <laughs> this is not healthy, right? So and and I think now on on the other side of a Racial reckoning, or at least an attempt at a racial reckoning, it's no longer a show that I need. You know what I mean? That, 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 need, that I feel needs to be in the canon, right? This is highly debatable. People will have many, many, many opinions about it, but it's, it's settling over time. As, 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 the, as the world develops, the, that the show feels more and more unsettling to me,
0: because the, you're saying even if ostensibly the hypocrisy of the missionaries is the joke, the fact is that they could be using that as cover to just tell traditionally, yeah, use tropes that are traditionally racist.
1: Yes, and and you know you heard they, they did some adjustments to the to this script and the production. I have not seen them. I'm not really sure what the product what the what the adjustments are. My my hope is that they're good. My fear is that it won't be enough. But again, I haven't seen it. So.
0: So while all this is going on, I won't, I won't keep you much much longer because we're both on that grappling with the end effects of COVID here. But. Um, <laughs> And that's partially why this has been so discursive, because like I think both of us are just trying to hang on. But um,
1: you know, you know what we we would be doing right now if you know what we'd be doing right now if we didn't have COVID, we would be
0: doing this that? interview with cocktails. That that would be so. Lovely. I mean, I'd be Curative. I'd be like sorry, I'd be like making yeah. something. Yeah, so that would be great. <laughs> well, that's what I wanted to ask about because, dude, your Instagram of your food, that slide things you've shown me pictures your ability as a mixologist, all of it, it's, it's not a casual endeavor. Um, we didn't even talk about the fact that you're such an accomplished musician. Uh, it seems to me like you take on these challenges and once you do, you have to learn so much about them that you become truly expert. And I'm, can you just talk a little bit about how you choose which of these things and about what you get, what do you get from that level of full throated Commitment. I mean, it's, you
1: know, it's, it's, it's fun to submerge yourself in, in a new field or a new trade. Right. I mean, to a certain extent, they're all offsprings of performing of, you know, of artistry, right. They're all in food, be it mixology, be it music. They're all somehow related because they're forms of expression. And the, the more you dive in, the more you explore, hopefully the better your craft gets. (laughs) Right. Um, but I think there's, I think there's just, there's, I'm remembering these road trips that we took in Germany and other places with my family. My, my, mom, my mom and dad would be like, all right, get in the car. And we just, like, she'd pack up like a box of fried chicken and some pickles. We'd have some cassette tapes. <laughs> and we'd get on the road. And I'd be like, where are we going? And my mom would always say, we're having an adventure. Awesome. Every single time. Every single time. I was like, how, how, when are we going to get there? We're having an adventure. Where are we going now? We're having an adventure, right? And as at times annoying that was to hear in my, in my adolescent life, it is now something that I, f- I find myself using as a mantra whenever we step into some new, some new endeavor, some new idea, right? If we're specifically talking about the food for me, going to the farmer's market is an adventure. Every day is yes. an adventure it's like seasonal it's like what are these new things if i'm at a place uh, like a really great liquor store what is that aperitif what can i do with that what does that taste like what is that made out of apricots okay great let's let's buy that let's have an adventure and see where that goes um if it's music this album i'm working on right now with my with my band it's like i'll be like oh, i feel like there should be i talk to my comp- one of my comp- my co- collaborator I'm like oh i think there should be like a I think there should be like a twang here, like some type of instrument. He's like, oh, you mean like a dobro? Like the instrument you play on your lap? He's like, oh, let's throw that in there, right? It's like, let's find these, let's, let's keep going. Let's find new corners and new avenues to
0: walk down. So that's the chasing it down. But then what about the becoming hyper-proficient? Uh,
1: mean-
0: well, I think, it's, I think I
1: just can't stop. I mean, I think, that's, I think that might be, I think part of that might be... <laughs> That might be uh, borderline OCD where I'd be like, well, I'm here. I'm going to go, I'm going to go further. I'm going to like, f- f- like more, 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 more. Partly because there's just an abundance of it. Right. I mean, I think, I think it's like, if, if there's certain, of course, I'm not going to, like, I don't find myself falling down certain trades because I I don't have that strong desire, but like, you know, like the food world is pulling me towards it. Right. And, and because there's just more around the corner, it's like, it really is like, you keep You keep opening it up and you're going to find more and more things in there are
0: you going to open a bar or a restaurant first Uh,
1: well i mean i always had dreams of a if i were opening something in new york which i don't think i would do unless i am really into abuse but uh, but you know at one point there was there was a dream of opening up a uh, opening up a restaurant this is going to be, okay, back in the day, there was this theater, that is going to be like a Midtown restaurant, like Midtown, right. class, like 10th Avenue situation. One pre-theater seating, yes. right? Um, five courses, cocktails, wine pairings, um, uh, highly seasonal, like local, 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 whatever is at the farmer's market, that's what you're eating. Uh, also, fuck your dietary restrictions. This is what you're eating. Right. But there are other places you, you can go, but this is, this is, what I'm cooking is what I'm cooking. And it'll be like, you know, sweet potato gnocchi with brown butter sage and uh, rabbit confit. There'd be, you know, like there'd be like things like fun things. Post theater. Um, fried chicken and champagne. And then people can just come over and like. Speakeasy. Speakeasy post dinner. There's a piano in the back. There's nobody. Nobody's like planning to come in, but every once in a while somebody might be in there just crooning or or with a band or whatever. Right. So things like rat pack back in the day, like there's a piano, the piano may not always be used, but if you want to, you can go back there and just like plunk, plunk something out and then stellar cocktails.
0: Well, after season 20 of billions, got to fucking open that place, man. Um, Hey, Daniel breaker. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Uh, Dude. It's, it is, it is such a joy to write for you and to get to work with you and, uh, to get to vibe with your incredible gifts and, and, um, really, uh, what a great thing, you know, late in the show that to, to have you, you come on and, and have such a, uh, a crucial role and, and, you know, this, I cannot wait for people to see yet all the stuff you, you and Corey do, but, um, you know the the thing that you and dave costable have found together is so Been special <laughs> what'd you say Pin off yeah i mean uh, well i mean we gestured to all the movies during it right that you guys are acting out basically. so yeah for sure
1: uh no, it's i i got to say it is you know thank you for for bringing me along and that in 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 your like folding me into your your family you you know i don't like to say that I feel like people misuse that phrase of like, oh, it's like a family, it's like a family, but this does actually feel like a family. with The, yes. the billion folks, um, you know, the way that you and Levine and Damien and Wags, like the way that everybody has just welcomed me into the fold, has been really, really um, important to, and 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 gives me a, a certain level of uh, confidence and comfort, but also trust that that my 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 world in your world is 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 healthy and productive you know and it's and it and it it feel it feels really great to be a part of this group especially after this
0: marathon of of i remember i remember standing with you uh at that um we were shooting that scene with dominique and and saying you know that we really wanted to make you regular on the show and you should you know and and you looking at me and saying i want to do it and i knew i was like well this is because uh neither of us were active with any guile in that moment. I was just like, look, this is what we want to do. We, we were, and you were like, yeah, I want to do it. Let's figure it out. And it was a sort of a great, um, a really lovely moment of, uh, uh, of us all knowing, well, we're going to, like you say, we're going to become family here. And, and, uh, so it's, it's been awesome, dude. Um, rest up, recuperate. Yes. And,
1: uh... <laughs> you too. And then when, and hopefully with the, in the, in the world, yes. Well,
0: no, little... Daniel, I mean, we're both going to be, through COVID, like, let's go to dinner in the next two weeks. That's what I'm talking about, because we're going to be invincible. I mean, for a few months, I think we are like, like, let's go to, for real, let's go to dinner soon, like two weeks from now in New York. All right, good. (laughs) I'm going to tell you the spiky stories at dinner. Don't hang around. That's for dinner. All right. Bye, everybody. We'll see you next time.
1: Take care.